My name's John Redmond from First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas, and I want to thank you for joining us today on Peace by Believing, and I'm praying that this program today is going to be a blessing to you wherever you may be listening. We're going to be thinking today about struggles, going through struggles in life. You know, life is indeed full of struggles. I wish it wasn't the case, but it is. Sometimes we have financial struggles, physical struggles with our health emotional struggles, we get discouraged, we might get depressed, we might become filled with fear or anxiety. That can be a real problem. Sometimes we have struggles in our relationships with each other, and that can really be devastating and difficult to go through something like that. Sometimes we have struggles at work, all kind of struggles in life. And maybe today, as you're listening to this program, you say, man, I'm I'm believing that God has got me in front of this radio at just this time because I am going through a struggle myself. Some of you today are probably struggling with doubt or with fear, confusion, or who knows what you might be going through. Well, God knows. We know that's true, but I don't know what you might be struggling with, what all of our listeners might be going through today. But I've noticed something in life. It seems like that struggles are part of the process that God uses to prepare us Uh, to do whatever he has for us to do. In fact, if you study uh, history and you see people whom God has used in great and amazing ways, if you can get to the background of those persons' uh, stories, you find many times that they went through a deep, dark struggle with depression or with failure or sometimes even with sin. And And I'm sure they thought, well, now God could never do anything good with my life. There's nothing good that could come out of this mess I've been through. And yet, in time, God used the struggles that those people went through. And God uh, used those struggles to develop their faith, to develop their character, to make them the people he wanted them to be. And then God went on to use those people in an absolutely amazing way. In fact, just reading the Bible tells us, story after story after story of people who went through struggles, struggles with their faith, struggles after a failure. And I'm sure they thought, can God, can even God do anything now that I've been through this? And yet in time he did as, as he used those struggles in their lives to strengthen their faith. Abraham went through struggles with his own faith. The father of our faith went through times in his life when he struggled to trust God. Moses, who became the one to lead the Israelites out of Egyptian bondage, he struggled. He killed a man. He killed an Egyptian one time, and then he buried the man in the sand, and then that sin became known. And as a result of that, Moses spent 40 years on the backside of the wilderness, backside of the desert there, tending his father-in-law's sheep. And I'm sure he thought, Will my life ever count for again, again for anything? Could God ever use me? He struggled. And yet after that struggle, God appeared to Moses one day. And God told him what he wanted him to do. And then Moses went on uh, and did that. He led the Israelites out of Egypt. I think about David, the greatest king in Israel's history. And yet as you study the life of David, you find out that he struggled uh, in many different ways. He struggled. Others were jealous of him. His own son revolted against him. King Saul tried to have David killed. He struggled and he struggled and he struggled, and yet God was using those struggles in David's life to prepare him 
for being the king that Israel needed. And so all through the scripture, we find Peter struggling in the New Testament. We find Paul struggling. Paul said uh, in Romans chapter 7, he was speaking out of frustration. He said, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, those are the things I'm doing. And so he was struggling with some sin in his life. And yet Paul went on to become the greatest and most influential Christian who has ever lived. And so what I'm saying to you today is, there's an upside to that struggle you might be facing right now. And I know this, and I've noticed in my own life, when I'm going through a struggle or a difficulty, in the time that I'm going through it, or at that time, in that moment, I don't see anything good that God might could do or bring out of it. And yet, I've learned that if I'll trust God, if I'll keep moving forward by faith, if I'll keep trying to serve the Lord the best I can— that in time, God will use the struggle that I've been through or that I'm going through to make me a better Christian, to develop my faith in some way, and that God's going to turn something bad into something good. And friend, that's really the purpose of this program today, to say to you, whatever you might be struggling with, if you'll trust God, if you'll give God time, and if you'll stay faithful to Him and serve Him as best you can— God will bring something very good out of that struggle that you're facing. Now, on today's program, we're going to hear part of a sermon that I preached in October of 2017 as we were celebrating the Protestant Reformation led by Martin Luther. And as I'll bring out in this sermon, Martin Luther knew all about struggles. He struggled in his life to find peace with God. That was the heart of his struggle. And yet there came a day when God revealed to Martin Luther the simplicity of salvation by faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And Luther trusted Christ with all of his heart, with all of his soul. And his soul, his, his imprisoned soul was set free. And he was so liberated by this experience that God used him to change the whole world, the landscape of the world. And so if ever we have an example of somebody's struggle becoming a good thing in the end. It was Martin Luther. And so I pray that this little history lesson about Luther's life will be a blessing to you. And more than anything, I pray that you will be encouraged today in your struggle, that your struggle is not the end of the journey, that God's going to bring you through it, and God's going to bring you through it a lot stronger if you will respond properly. See, struggles are not bad. Just like that butterfly in that cocoon was getting stronger by struggling. Some of you here today who are struggling to be right with God, struggling to make yourself acceptable to God, that struggle's not all bad because you're going to come to a place out there where you say, you know what, I can't do anymore. I can't pray anymore. I can't, I, I can't there's not anything else I can do. And you're going to come to the end of yourselves and you're going to discover the person of Jesus Christ. Struggles lead to searches. Searches lead to discoveries. Discoveries lead to freedom. And freedom helps us to discover what our purpose of existence is in the first place. Now, we've seen that in Paul's life. Now, this is the 500th year of the Protestant Reformation. And if we were in college and we were church history students, or if we were in a seminary or graduate school studying church history, and we had 2,000 years of church history that we were 
studying, we would find some amazing figures in the history. Just like we find amazing people in the Bible, we would find amazing men and women in church history who have made a difference for Jesus Christ, made a difference in the world in which they live, and some of that has even carried over into our world. But far and away, I don't think anybody would, would I, don't think, I don't think most people would question that the largest figure in all of church history was a man named Martin Luther. Martin Luther lived in Germany back in the late 1400s, the early 1500s, and he wanted more than anything else to be made right with God. He was an active member of the Catholic Church. My dad mentioned last week that on one occasion Luther was going somewhere and he got in a very bad thunderstorm. And a bolt of lightning came down and it we got, that lightning bolt got very close to where Luther was. Luther had hidden himself in a haystack. And that bolt of lightning got very close, and Luther thought that he would be killed. And in that moment of sheer fear and panic, as he thought about being killed, and then standing before God, knowing that he was not ready to stand before God, Luther said this to God. He said, God, if you will spare my life in this storm, because for all he knew, another bolt of lightning was about to come. He said, I will become a monk. I will move in a monastery. Back in the 1500s, most everybody believed that when a person died, that person had to go to purgatory to pay, to finish paying for sins that had not been paid for when Jesus died on the cross. The word purgatory, and the whole idea of purgatory, by the way, is not in the Bible at all. It's taken from the word purge. That's the root word of purgatory, P-U-R-G-E. And the idea is you have to go to this place after you have died, and your sins have to be purged. Your sins have to be forgiven. When Jesus died on the cross, he died to forgive a lot of sins, but his death did not cover all sins, and so you have to go to purgatory. And your sins have to be purged there. Now, friend, let me just pull over and make a comment on that. First of all, there is no sin that is not covered by the death of Jesus Christ. There is no such thing as purgatory. It's not in the Bible. But back in Luther's day, they believed that. And they believed that if they would be serious enough about God to go live in a monastery, either as a monk or even the ladies would become nuns, And to show God they were this serious. God, I'll just walk away from my life and I'll I'll just devote my whole life to you. They believed that would reduce the amount of time that they would have to spend in purgatory. And so Luther became a monk. And in his time in, in, in that monastery, he did everything he could to make himself acceptable to God. He prayed hour after hour. He would fast for days at a time. He, was, he wanted so badly to show God that he was serious about spiritual things that history tells us on cold winter nights in Germany, Luther would lay in his room and he would refuse to cover himself up with a blanket so that by being cold... And refusing the warmth of a blanket, he could show God how sorry he was for his sins and how badly he wanted to please God. And he would, like like in Luther's mind, not covering up with a blanket was somehow going to have a sin forgiven. He would go, there was a priest there in the monastery. And Luther would go and confess his sins to the priest. History tells us that sometimes Luther 
would sit in the confession booth across from a priest day after day after day, and for six hours at a time, Luther would confess every sin he knew to confess, every bad thought he had had, every bad word he had spoken, everything he had done wrong, he would confess. In fact, one account says that on one occasion, the priest said to him, who just became wearied with hearing all these confessions, and aren't you thankful, by the way, that to be forgiven, we don't have to go to a confession booth, we can go to Christ himself. We confess our sins to Christ. Now, if we've sinned against someone else, we do go confess and ask for them to forgive us. But that's so that our fellowship can be restored. But as far as forgiveness from God, we don't have to get that forgiveness from a priest. In fact, Luther was the one who kind of coined the term, the priesthood of all believers, that we can go directly to Christ and have our, you don't have to go through a pastor or a priest or a bishop or a deacon or anybody. You can go straight to Christ and say, Christ, be merciful to me. God, be merciful to me. Forgive my sins. And in that moment, those sins are forgiven if your faith and trust is in the Lord Jesus Christ. But one, one account says that that priest got so worn out with Luther that, that one day he said, Martin, I am growing extremely weary of hearing you confess the same sins over and over and over again, hour after hour, day after day, week after week. He said, Martin, I'm giving you an assignment. Either stop confessing these same sins over and over again or go out and find you some new sins to commit. Now, we wouldn't recommend that for anybody, but that's what... That's what that priest said to Martin Luther. In fact, Luther said, and I want to read this because it's one of the greatest quotes in church history. As you think about how devout and sincere this man was, he said, if there was ever a monk who could have earned his way to heaven through his monkery, it was I. He did everything he could. And one day, in fact, he was so devout, they gave those in the... The priest in the monastery gave him the assignment to become a teacher, a professor. And so he began to study the Bible. He began to read in Psalms. He began to study Galatians. He began to read in Romans. And one day he was reading that passage of Scripture in Romans chapter 1 that I read to you a little bit earlier. And as he was reading this and studying this and preparing to give a lecture to his students, it gripped him. And it was like God said, Martin, this verse is not for your students. This verse is for you. And here's the verse that got him, Romans 1.17. For in it, that is in the gospel, in the good news, that you don't have to create your own righteousness, that you don't have to confess sin six hours a day. You don't have to go to a priest. You don't have to fast. You don't have to sleep without a blanket. You don't have to do all these things. No, the good news is that God has created another kind of righteousness. And in the gospel we read, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. And Luther read that verse, and he said when he read that verse... And he saw in Christ everything he had tried to create in himself. He said, I felt that I was born again. And that heaven itself, paradise itself, had been opened to me. And it changed his life. And as a result, Martin Luther went on to be used by God to change the world. 
after Luther had this discovery and after he had placed his faith in Christ and after he began to reject the teachings of the church of that day and he began to write against that and he said, hey, there's no such thing as purgatory. You don't have to confess your sins to a priest. You don't have to buy indulgences from the church so that the church can forgive your sins. And he began to write, the church has zero power to forgive sins. Forgiveness of sins comes from God. The church has zero power to save. Salvation comes from God. And he began to write these things. And the established church of that day branded him as a heretic. And in fact, it came to a point where he was actually put on trial and threatened people who had done similar things in the past. He'd been burned at the stake, killed in other ways. And they said to Luther, Luther, we demand that all these books you've written against the established church and all these things you're saying about forgiveness being found in Christ instead of in the church, you've got to burn those books. And Luther refused to do this. He said, I can't burn that. That wouldn't be right. That wouldn't be true. What I've written is according to Scripture. And one of the greatest quotes in church history, at Luther's trial, when he was being forced to recant his faith in in Christ as he was expressing it, Luther said this, here I stand, I can do no other. And so all the way for the remainder of his life, he died at 62 years of age. In fact, on his deathbed, Martin Luther quoted Psalm 31.5, which is a verse that Jesus quoted from the cross. Into your hands I commit my spirit. His students were gathered around and they referred to him as Reverend Father. They said, Reverend Father, in these moments of your death, do you trust in Christ and in Christ alone as you have proclaimed him in in your life? And the great Martin Luther said, yes, I do. And he died trusting in Christ. And he was ushered by the angels into the presence of God. Not because of his own righteousness, but because of the righteousness that he had discovered in Jesus Christ. Now, Think about what I've said so far this morning. Paul, in about the year 30 or 35 A.D., made this discovery that Jesus is what I'm looking for. 1,500 years later, Martin Luther made the same discovery. It's not my righteousness. It's Christ's righteousness. I can remember I was in a theology class at Baylor, and the professor of that theology class said, it's interesting, students, as you study church history, it seems that about every 100 years or so, somebody rediscovers Romans. What do you mean by that? He means that these great figures of the church, Luther, John Wesley, others, they came to the end of themselves and they said, it's Jesus, it's Christ, it's Him. I take Him, I receive Him. My righteousness is in Him. I'm depending upon Him. And I'm asking you today, if you were to die right now and you were to stand before God and God were to say to you, why should I let you into heaven? How would you answer that question? Because the answer to that question tells what you're depending on. And if in answer to that question you would say, like Luther at one time would have said, because of my baptism, because of my prayers, because of my holiness that I'm trying, because I'm an active member of the church. I'm telling you that is human righteousness and that is filthy rags to God and that will not stand at the day of judgment. But if today you should die, if today I should die and we should stand before God and God should say to us, if God should say to me, John, why should I let you into heaven? I wouldn't say anything about the church or the baptism or me being a preacher or anything like that. I would say to God, God, the only reason I should be allowed to go into heaven is because I by faith have received Jesus Christ. 
He has forgiven my sins. He has cleansed my sins. He is my righteousness, and I trust fully and completely in Him. And when I said that to God, God would say, open wide the gates and let Him in. That is the answer. That is the truth. He is trusting in me, and because of His faith in Christ, I see Him clothed. I see Him covered in the very righteousness of Jesus Christ. Friend, think about this. When you place your faith in Jesus Christ, this is the gospel. What I'm preaching to you today is the gospel message. This is the message Luther preached. This is the message Paul preached. This is the message Whitfield and Wesley preached. This is the message all the great preachers down through history have preached. When you place your faith in the person of Jesus Christ, God takes Christ's righteousness And He covers you in it so that when God looks at you, He doesn't see your sin. He sees the righteousness. He sees the perfection of Jesus Christ. And today, what happened to Paul in Damascus, Syria, what happened to Luther in Germany, what happened to me in Texas can happen to you right here today. You can receive by faith the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. And you can leave here today saved, sure that you're saved, heaven bound, and with a purpose for living. And that is to devote the rest of your life to helping as many people as possible receive Christ as you have. Amen. Father, I pray for people in this room right now who need Christ. God, this is the gospel. This is how you have told us to preach. This is what you have told us to say. And so, God, I know that you're honored with the preaching today because it is the gospel. It is Jesus. And I pray that your spirit now would take the words that have been spoken and impress it upon the hearts of men and women, boys and girls, young people in this room right now who are trusting in their own righteousness instead of trusting in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. With heads bowed and eyes closed, you say, John, how long do I have to keep struggling with this? I've been wondering. I've been fighting it. How long do I have to keep struggling? You have to keep struggling until you see Jesus Christ as the answer to your struggle. And so today, if you want to know for sure that Jesus Christ is in your heart, that you are right with God, would you pray this prayer? Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you now to come into my heart. Forgive my sins and make me a Christian. Lord, I ask you to save me. I trust you to do it. God, I could never be good enough. I could never be baptized enough times. I could never pray enough. God, I'm to the end of myself. God, I trust Jesus and I take him today by faith. He is my righteousness. And he's the one I'm depending on to get me into heaven. Well, friend, if you just prayed that prayer, I want to assure you on the authority of God's Word that He has heard it and that He has answered your prayer. The Bible says, All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And today you have called, you have prayed, you have asked Jesus to save you, and you have trusted Him to do it. And in that moment, 
Jesus Christ placed his righteousness in you and on you so that when God looks at you now, he doesn't see your sins. Those sins have been forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ. He sees the righteousness of Christ and you are saved. You have been born into the family of God. And so I want to just say congratulations to you. I would encourage you to share this decision with somebody else as quickly as you possibly can. Call a family member or a friend. Go to church and share this decision with your church family. Let them know that Jesus Christ has come to live in your heart. God tells us in the Bible that we're supposed to confess Christ openly and publicly. And so I would encourage you uh, to do that. Find a good church in the area where you live and get plugged in. A church that loves God, that lifts up Jesus Christ, that preaches the Bible, where the people love each other. won't be a perfect church. None of our churches are perfect. But it'll be a church where you can grow in your new faith in Jesus Christ. And then I would encourage you to please visit our website sometime this week at peacebybelieving.org, peacebybelieving.org. We have lots of sermons you can listen to, lots of little booklets that you can read right there on your computer or on your phone, and they'll be a blessing to you. And then there's a place where you can contact us and tell us where you're listening from. If you just prayed to get saved, tell us that. Share that with us so we can pray for you. Thanks for being with us, and I hope you'll join us next time.